book of Philippians, chapter number three. The book of Philippians, chapter number three, verses 10 through 15. Amen. I feel a message on my heart, and I'm going to preach it, and uh, I'm going to just let the Lord have his way. Got a lot of things I want to say, and when uh, when when the Lord started dealing with me, I, I didn't know I didn't know most of the folks would be at home watching. Hopefully, they're watching. Um, the ones that are watching, we we know you're you're hearing the word of the Lord. Philippians chapter number three and verse number ten through verse number fifteen. Very familiar passage of scripture. One of the great challenges of preaching is when God gives you a uh, familiar text that everybody's heard because the tendency is well I've heard that and if you've been around a long time you've heard it you know over and over and it's tempting to say well I've heard that I'll just uh, I I don't really need to hear it but you need to hear it for now Philippians 3 and 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I for which also I am apprehended of, Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Paul is preaching a mindset to the Philippian church. If you notice, he says, in verse 15, and I I don't think I'm going to get back to verse 15 in this message, but you have to understand he's talking about how we are minded, how we think. He's talking about a mindset that needs to be in a child of God. If you want to be perfect, that word perfect means complete. If you really want to be complete in Christ, then you have to have a certain mindset. God doesn't bless any old way of thinking. God doesn't bless any old way of acting. If you want to be complete in him, you have to have a certain mindset. He said, and if you have any other kind of mindset, God's going to reveal it to you. Will you take this message this morning as God's way of revealing mindsets that we need to get rid of? I'm going to preach this morning on the subject, I press. Now, I, I, I went over the sermon title a few times. I thought about it several times trying to figure out uh, 
what to title this message. And so I decided to make it very personal. I press. Now that's, that counts for me because I can only speak for me. I, I could have called this you press, but I can't make you press. I only can control me. And so this is my sermon. I press. Now, if it's your sermon, then you have to say right now, I press. And I pray this will be your sermon. Lord, anoint me to preach. God, I feel the Holy Ghost behind this pulpit right now. I pray, help me to communicate what you've given me this morning. God, help me to preach like you've called me to preach. God, not how I'm used to preaching in a full house, but how you've called me to preach. And Lord, let me preach according to the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I pray for your spirit to move in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise in the house this morning as you're being seated. I read a quote that challenged me the other day. It was from a book titled The Divine Conspiracy, written by the late Dallas Willard. He said in this book, and I quote, your system is perfectly designed to yield the result you are getting. Let me read that again. Your system is perfectly designed to yield the result that you already have, that you're getting. Whatever you do in life, in business, in family, in family structure, in your health, how you eat, how you exercise, how you work, and how you serve God, whatever system that you are employing in your life, it is perfectly designed to give you the result that you're already getting. Whatever your daily grind is, whatever your habits, your lifestyle, your pleasures, your discipline, your time distribution, it is designed to get you what you already have. But as John Maxwell said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always be what you've always been. Your system is perfectly designed to yield the results you're getting. Your spirituality is a result of how you live. It's your system. Your financial status is a result of how you live, your financial system. How your marriage is going, how your relationship is with your family is perfectly a result of the way you live your life. Your system is perfectly designed to yield the result you're getting. If you don't feel like you're as close to God as you ought to be, don't blame God, blame your system. If you're, if you're not as close to your wife as you ought to be, don't blame your wife, blame your system. You've developed a lifestyle that keeps you separate and doesn't allow you to get along. If you're at odds with somebody, it's the way that you, the system that you build in communication with that person that has given you exactly the result that you have. If you want to change the outcome, you've got to change the system. Hallelujah. Your system is perfectly designed. Don't say I want more of a prayer life and then don't pray more because your system 
is what got you your prayer life. Don't say, well, I want to be closer to God, but I don't want to serve him any more than I am. Then it's your system that's the problem. It's not your God that's the problem. Well, God, I want to be more holy, but I don't want to give this up, and I don't want to stop doing that, and I don't want to change this about my lifestyle. Well, then you don't really want to be holy because your system is designed to get you where you are. Oh, God, I feel like preaching right now. I feel a dangerous kind of preaching. And I, and I got very few people here to look at that will point to their watch and tell me it's time to stop so we may all be in trouble this morning. But I'm preaching today to those who are hungry for another level. I'm preaching to those who are craving more of God to do more, be more, have more. I'm preaching to God chasers in the house and at home right now. Amen. It would be foolish to keep doing what you're doing exactly like you do it and expect a different result. Only a foolish person keeps doing what they've always done and expects something to miraculously change out of nowhere. If you're going to have change, you got to do something about your system. Oh, God. Paul was writing to the Philippian church from a prison. He had been arrested for preaching the gospel and was either awaiting trial or serving a sentence. And I, I tell you, I wouldn't want to be in prison now. I've gone into prisons a few times over the last few years, gone into prisons and jails to preach and to minister. And I, I love the experience of, of preaching and ministering in the prisons and in the jails. As much as I love going in to preach and minister, it's not a place I'd like to stay and live. But even now, we live in an age of human rights where things are relatively modern and clean. But in ancient prisons, the mentality was not rehabilitation. The, men the mentality was retribution and punishment. They wanted the environment in the prison to be as dirty and difficult and as, and as hard as possible as payback from society to the criminal. Amen. Paul then was in this ancient, dirty, dark, disgusting prison for preaching the gospel and for doing good. I was, I was in a foreign country a few years ago, and uh, this particular foreign country, they had a, the most busy highway in the largest city, about 3 million people. They, uh, they had an overpass, and they built a prison under the overpass. And they, they, they put the, the worst prisoners in there. And as those cars would go day and night back and forth over that highway, those prisoners would go days without being able to sleep, so much so that the United Nations eventually went into that country and, and demanded that they close that prison as an inhumane punishment for the people. I'm telling you today that uh, that's a modern idea, but in those days that Paul was in prison, there was no United Nations to say, hey, don't you think you're being a little hard on these guys? The prison Paul was in was designed to make people never, ever want to break the law again. Paul is in this ancient prison, but he doesn't get mad at God. He's there for preaching the gospel and for doing good, but he doesn't get mad at God and say, God, why did you let, I'm not going to preach anymore because you let me end up in this prison. And he didn't get mad at the people that put him in the prison. There's no indication that he ever asked God for retribution or vengeance against his enemies. He didn't look to God to change his enemies. 
He didn't even pray, God, get me out of this prison. As far as we know, there's no record of Paul writing that he asked God to be delivered from the prison. He didn't look to God to change his enemies or his circumstances. But while he was in prison, he took the time to ask God, Lord, change me while I'm in this situation. Change me while I'm in this place. God, I'm not asking you to get me out of here, and I'm not asking you to get back at the people that put me in here. What I am asking you, God, is for you to help me to leave here better than I came in. Amen. God, I want to change while I'm in my situation. Philippians 3 and 10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul said that I may know him. I'm in a Philippian, uh, at this point they believe he was probably in Rome in prison, but writing to the Philippians. I know I'm in prison. I know I'm in a bad situation. But my prayer is not open these prison bars. My prayer is that I could know you better. If I can get to know you better, then my circumstance is worth it. If it'll take me and make me a better Christian and make me know you. He said that I may know you. That word know means to understand, to get to know. God, I want to get to know you better. Paul was converted after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. As such, he didn't have the same experience that the other apostles had. He never walked in the footsteps of Jesus like Peter and James and John. He didn't hear his voice resonate in their ears and see his facial expressions when he spoke. He he had never seen Jesus or ate a meal with him. He had never spent time talking to him that we know of. And so when, when Peter, James, and John, when they talked about Jesus, when they talked about what Jesus said, in their mind they could hear it in his own voice. When they talked about the experiences they had with him, The miracles, the signs, and the wonders. Their their mind immediately put the scene just like they had seen it when they stood there and watched it happen. When they talked about the bread being broken and fed to the multitudes, they could remember the, the hum in the crowd and the buzz in the crowd as Jesus broke bread. And then where he broke it off, there was another piece right back. And the people, they could hear the oohs and the ahs of the crowd they could, they could feel what it felt like to hold that bread in their hand as they distributed. But Paul didn't have that experience. Paul had never walked with Jesus. Paul had never sat down with him and had a conversation and a meal. So his experience wasn't, I, I, remember, I remember exactly where I was the last time that I talked to my mother. I remember the exact place that I was, the highway I was on. And the, the, the very place I was when I got that phone call and talked to her for the last time. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around that that was 10 years ago almost that I heard her voice. But still, when, when I talk about my mother, I hear her voice in my mind. When I talk about things that she said, I can hear it in her voice. I can, it's like I can see the facial expressions, the way that, that she moved her, her, her face, her mouth, her eyes and when she said it. And because, because I walked with her. I had an experience with her. 
And, and, and so when I have those memories, my mind takes me back to that time and that moment. But Paul didn't have that with Jesus. When he talked about what Jesus said, he didn't hear it in Jesus' own voice. And so Paul, in a prison, he says that I may know him. What I need is to know Jesus. I, got, I don't know him in the same way that Peter knew him. And I don't know him in the same way that John knew him. When I talk about what he said, I don't hear it in his own voice anymore. I don't hear it like they, when I talk about the miracles Jesus did. I don't get it in the same way because I don't see it in my mind's eye like they saw it. They're, when they talk about it, they're reliving it. But when I talk about it, it's something that in my mind can't quite. And he said, so here's what I want. I want to know him. I want to know him in a way that I don't already know him. I want to know him in a vivid experience. I can't go back and walk with him like Peter did and talk with him like James did and eat with him like John did, but I want to know him. And so my prayer while I'm in this Philippine prison, while I'm here in this prison, what my prayer is, I want to have an experience to know him better. Hallelujah. He came later after the church had already grown into a viable force in Jerusalem and the surrounding area. And Peter could talk about touching Jesus. And James could talk about eating meals with Jesus. And John could talk about personal experiences. But Paul only knew him from sermons and Bible studies and songs. And he felt like there was something missing in his life that the other apostles had experienced. So in this prison, Paul says that I may know him. That I could understand, that I could get to know him better. And now notice the grammar. I'm, I'm, I'm not in a big rush. If I need to finish this message tonight, I can. But Philippians 3 and 10, notice the grammar of this sentence. Notice the structure. That I may know him, comma. The comma represents a pause. It separates items on a list. That I may know him. That's the first thing I'm asking God for. The second thing I'm asking for is the power of his resurrection. So I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection, comma. And I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. There's three goals that Paul had. I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Amen. Two out of those three make a lot of sense to me. I don't know anybody that knows anything about Jesus that doesn't want to know him. I mean, if you've had just a little bit of Jesus in your life, if you've had just a little taste of his mercy and his grace and his glory and his power, if you know just a little bit about him, it makes you hungry for more. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hey, I want more of him. 
I've known, I've been, I'll be 40, I'll be 50. My goodness, I, I was going to say I'll be 49, but I'm already 49. I'll be 50 here in just a few days. August the 11th, I'll be 50 years old. I was raised in a Pentecostal church. I was raised hearing about Jesus Christ. I was raised hearing about the Holy Ghost and watching the power of God. I was raised to know about miracles, signs, and wonders. But 50 years after seeing all that, I've literally seen the dead raised in front of my very own eyes. I've watched crooked limbs be straightened out. I've watched God work miracle after miracle and turn life after life around. But after all that, after 50 years of it, I can still stand and say, God, I still want to know you. I still feel like there's more. I feel like there's more of your grace and more of your anointing and more. God, I want to know you. God, I'm hungry for you that I may know you. And then I, and that, that makes perfect sense to me because I got I to gotta tell you, I got a craving. I got a craving to know more about him. I'm not satisfied. I'll tell you what, I, I went to a restaurant. I was preaching this week in, uh, in the Orlando area and in Daytona Beach area, and I was doing an anniversary service for a friend and, uh, and I'm a Puerto Rican background, and I talked about my mama. Like I said, I can't believe she's been gone 10 years. Well, she died, never really, never taught me how to cook the stuff that she cooked. And so I, after a few years of her being gone, I started getting a craving to taste mama's cooking. So I started getting in the kitchen and messing around with it. And I've got it close, but I don't have it exactly like it's supposed to be. I got it close enough to remember. I got it close enough to have that comfort feeling. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't. Maybe I'm just talking out of my mind this morning. If I do, just humor me and, and smile at me and occasionally say amen and I'll, and I'll be happy. But, but I, I've got close, but I can't get it quite like mama made it. And so I was in the Orlando area, and there's a large Puerto Rican population in that area. And so I Googled the best Puerto Rican restaurant in Orlando. And on Wednesday, hallelujah, amen, I went. The pastor, this is not the hallelujah part. The pastor had a funeral he had to deal with, and so I was on my own. So I, I got in their big old church van, and I drove through Orlando, and I found this restaurant. And when I walked in, it smelled like my mom was cooking. Oh, glory. And I sat down, and I ordered about three things. I only ate a little bit of all of them, but I ate. But, but it just reminded me of, of, of my mama's cooking. And there was something about it, man. And I, I sat there, and I, and, and, and I was just, I thought, man, I ought to get out of here. I need to go. I'm going to eat too much. i got to get out of here. And about that time, God sent me a blessing. There was the loudest thunderclap, and heaven opened up, and rain started pouring down out of heaven. I mean, it was like a flood. And I thought, I'm not walking out in that mess. I told the server, bring me another co coffee. I'm going to sit here for a little while longer. And I just sat there a little bit longer eating that comfort food. Amen. Because there was something about it that I just, you know, I, I, I've eaten it my whole life, but I still like it. Amen. There's some things I ate at one time I don't ever want to eat it again. Amen. I had a pastor tell me this week, he said, I told my folks, if you, if you ever have me to your house to eat and you see me pouring a lot of salt on the food, it means you can't cook. I said, brother, you should have kept that to yourself. He said, I'm trying to get them to raise their game. I sat there. I, didn't, I just didn't get tired of it. 
I, I, and I almost, if I wouldn't have been running close to get to the airport, I almost went back one more time before I came home. But look, when you have something that you like and something that tastes good, you don't get tired of it. Amen. You just want it over and over. And I'm going to tell you, there's something about the Holy Ghost. I've never gotten tired of it. I've never said, God, I don't want to feel your presence. I feel it right now. God, I want more of you. God, I want more of you. I want to know you. I understand that. But then he said, I want to know you, comma, and the power. Not in the power, but and the power of your resurrection. God, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to know you. I also want to know the power of your resurrection. That makes a lot of sense to me. Man, I get that. There's never been a more glorious time in all of human history than the moment of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, there's been some powerful moments. There's been some times, I mean, like, like the, man, the man lands on the moon, and that's a historic moment in history. And you have all these moments of discovery and all these moments of achievement. And, man, they're awesome. Your favorite team wins a championship. I don't have many experiences of experiencing that, but the few I do have, I'll remember them the, as long as I live. Amen. I was, I've been a Cubs fan my whole life. In my whole life, they only won one World Series, but I know exactly where I was. I was in Frankfurt, Germany, in a hotel, watching it on my phone at about 3.30 in the morning. And when they got that final out, I was so happy. They, might, they probably never win another one, but I got that one, and I'll remember it forever. Amen. And, and, and so he said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Well, who wouldn't want to? That's the greatest moment in all of history when the God of glory raised himself from the dead in a cold, ancient tomb and came to life, but didn't only come back to life for himself. He came back and brought life to everybody that would believe on him for all the rest of time. It's the greatest moment in history. Who wouldn't want to know the great? I mean, who wouldn't want to know that? Who wouldn't want to know about that moment that was so powerful that if in a few years I'm laying in a cold grave right out there in that cemetery and in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, because of that moment that he got up, I'm going to get up. Who doesn't want to know that? Of course you want to know his resurrection. Who doesn't want to know somebody at their grave? I feel the Holy Ghost here. Who doesn't want to know? Who doesn't want to know him? At the greatest moment of his life. Woo, glory to God. Of course I want to know the power of his resurrection. Who wouldn't want to know the power of his resurrection? Who wouldn't want to know what it feels like to come up out of a tomb? Man, I remember when I was at a little altar at, at, at 12 years old, 11, 12 years old, at a little storefront church in Kokomo, Indiana. The place was run down. You could drop a tennis ball in one corner and roll all the way across the building to the opposite corner. The floor was unlevel. It was run down. Old hardwood floors. You got your knees. You, you bowed down to your knees when you got up. You had dust spots on your knees. That, that when it rained, you might get leaked on. You better know it was leaking or you'd think the anointing was falling from the roof on you. But that little old ramshackle building, I got the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. I got the taste of his resurrection, and I've never got over it. Woo! 
I said, I've never gotten over it in all my life. Of course, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. But life is not always about resurrection moments. When we see his glory, sometimes life is about struggle and difficulty and pain. And Paul says, I know I, know I can live for him when it's all good, but, I'm, but I need to be able to live for him when it's not so good. I got to be able to live for him when I'm in the fellowship of his suffering, when I'm in a prison for preaching the gospel, and, and everything in me tells me to give up. But no, I didn't only serve him for the resurrection. I serve him for the suffering too. I'm not only going to be here when he's blessing me with resurrection anointing, but I'm planning on serving for him, serving him, even when I'm in the fellowship of his suffering, when I'm hurt, when I'm tired, when I'm weary, when things aren't going right. If you never bring me out of this prison, I'm still going to serve you because I don't only want to know you at your best moment. I want to know you at the lowest moment too. You see, some people, some people are only resurrection Christians. When it's camp meeting, revival, signs, wonders, and miracles. But some people, they're not, they're not fellowship of his sufferings. But look, it doesn't say the fellowship of his resurrection. It says the fellowship of his suffering. Because he's never with you more. My God in heaven. Woo, Jesus. He's never with you more than when you're suffering. Oh, God. Jesus, help me. It's the fellowship of his suffering. Something about it when you're going through it and you're struggling and you want to give up, but somehow in the midst of that prison, you begin to worship God and all of a sudden you're in fellowship with him. Somebody might be suffering right now, going through struggles and trouble and tribulation like you've never had before. Your life turns upside down. Maybe it's a family situation that's all turned upside down. Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe it's a financial situation. Whatever the situation might be. And you're, you're in that struggle and everything in you says, God, I ought to blame you. And I ought to, so you, if you loved me, I wouldn't be here. And if you cared about me, I wouldn't be here. But Paul understood that it's not all about resurrection. But he also understood that I've never felt God more than when his presence moved into the prison when I worshiped him and I praised him. I never felt him more than when I was arrested and I started to sing with my buddy Silas and we started to praise God and we started to worship him and right there in the prison, the power of God came and I got to fellowship with his presence. Let me tell you something that some people would never feel his presence if they didn't have a trial because when good things go good, they forget about him. But it's fellowship in suffering. Uh, I, I want everybody in the house right now and hopefully everybody that's watching or listening online to lift your hands right now. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here. The fellowship of his suffering. If by any means, look, there's no way I'm finishing this message. I got 21 pages of notes and I'm on page eight. be withered away and turned to dust before I get done. Look, anyone can be a Christian when the blessings and miracles are flowing. Anyone can serve God when it's, 
when it's the power of his resurrection. How many revivals have we had that the house gets packed when it's revival time, but when life goes to normal and there's not somebody there to push you on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, then you, you start being unfaithful and your worship begins to slack and you have trouble praying because, because it's not the power of his resurrection. But what we need to get is to understand that fellowship is in the suffering, in the struggle, in the trial. I've come to tell somebody that's facing an enemy and you're struggling and wondering how it's going to work out and you're wondering, God, are you ever, am I ever going to feel your presence again? Let me tell you, you don't have to feel his presence when he's right there with you. You just have to know you're in the fellowship of his suffering, that in my trouble, in my trial, God, I know you're right here. This is a letter from prison. This wasn't written from a mountaintop. This wasn't written from a resort. This wasn't written from a temple stair, stair with all the gold and all the aroma of the incense. This was written in a prison house. He said, I feel the fellowship of God right where I am. Oh, God in heaven. Now notice, I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to stop with this verse. He says, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I am preaching a mindset today. I'm preaching a mindset. He said, if by any means. Can I tell somebody, whatever you got to do to be saved. Whatever you got to do to be saved. You better do it by any means. If you can't handle the internet, get rid of the internet. You, I'd rather be a caveman like Fred Flintstone and go to heaven than be the most modern person in the world and lose my soul to hell. If by any means, if you can't hang out with your friends and not drink and party and be a moron, then they're not your friend. Get away from them because by any means, I got to be saved. Whatever I got to do, whatever I got to do, if by any means, I got to, look, what I got to do is I got to be saved. I don't have to be modern. I don't have to be woke. I don't have to be popular. I don't have to be accepted by everybody. I don't have to be rich. I don't have to be anything, but I do have to be saved. If by any means, I might attain to the resurrection. I got to be saved. I got to be. When that trumpet sounds, I got to go. I can't afford to be tied down to things here. I can't afford to be holding on to my riches and my possessions and my friends and my stuff. And when the trumpet sounds, I'm too attached down here to go. I got to do it by any means, whatever it takes. I got to do it. I got to be saved. If by any means, Paul said, here's what I got to do. If, I, if it's resurrection, I got to be saved. If it's suffering, I got to be saved. No matter what, if by any means, no matter what, regardless of how difficult, no matter what I have to do, no matter what I have to go through, no matter what I have to give up, can I preach to some of our newer folks? Well, I started to say that, but then I instantly thought of some of our older folks that need what I'm getting ready to say. I've watched some folks that, that when they first got in church, they grew to a certain point. They gave up certain things. They stopped doing certain things. And then they got to the point where they were not willing to give up more. And they've been stagnated now for months and months. Not only stagnated, but in some cases going, inching their way back to where they came from. 
We got folks that I remember getting the Holy Ghost when I was here in the 90s that are now starting to take up stuff from the world. That's why I said that it's not only for the newer folks. But let me tell you, whatever you got to do to be saved, you better do it. Whatever you got to give up, you better just give it up to be saved. Whoever you got to walk away from in your life, you better just walk away if you got to be saved. You don't need your friends as much as you need to be saved. If by any means, it's a mindset, it's a mindset. Paul is instilling a mindset in the Philippian church. I have to be saved no matter what. The discussion is not, now look, I'm, 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 I'm talking in specifics right now. And the people that I'm talking to, they know I'm talking to them. But you let people in your life that you know aren't good for you. Since they're not here, I'm staring straight in the camera, and I hope they're looking me in the eye. <laughs> Better put my glasses on because I can't see them. I still can't see them, but they know I'm talking to them. Every time you start to do something for God, these people come knocking on your door again, and they distract you, and you get away from your purpose and passion. And you think you need them, but what you need is to be saved. Do not trade your destiny for good times with somebody that doesn't care if you make it to heaven or not. And if they cared, they wouldn't be handing you a beer. Did I say that out loud or did I just think it in my head? You gotta, you gotta be saved. You gotta be saved. Whatever it takes, you gotta be saved. Paul said, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, no matter what I got to do, God, that's what I'm doing. Whatever it takes, whatever has to happen, my goal is the resurrection. Not popularity. Not getting a good-looking girlfriend. Not being the most popular kid in the youth group. My job, my goal is I must buy any means. Oh Lord, lift your hands all over this place. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Whatever I got to do, God, that's what I got. Look, somebody needs to get a if by any means mentality today. If by any means. This is his mentality. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be saved if I can't work all that overtime and get all that extra money to get all that extra stuff and it's keeping me out of the house of God and I'm getting more carnal by the day then we're just going to learn to live without all that extra stuff your babies don't need the most expensive name brand your babies need to be in the house of God with you I gotta be saved I gotta be saved I gotta be saved I gotta whatever I got, if by any means. Lord, I ask you to get ready to sing in just a moment. And of course, the altar's open for anybody at the church that wants to pray. But primarily, our congregation's joining online, and I want to ask you right where you are, would you just slip your hands up into heaven and say, God, give me a by any means mentality. God, help me, Lord Jesus. 
to understand that everything in my life comes down to needing you more than anything. I must be saved. Nothing else matters. Sing it, sing it, sing it. To me, don't let me be lost for eternity. Amen. Turn your living room into a prayer room. While you're driving down the road, if you're listening right now, why don't you just begin to ask God, Lord, help me to have an any means mentality. Whatever I got to do, I got to be saved, Lord. Whatever I got to do, Lord, I got to be right. I got to be ready. Return. 